Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. One of the most important record labels in jazz history is Blue Note Records, and by extension, that of American music, truly. Blue Note Records has been the home to such groundbreaking artists as Miles Davis, Thelonious Monk, John Coltrane, Bud Powell, and Art Blakey, as well as the present-day luminaries like Robert Glasper, Ambrose, Akin Muziri, and Nora Jones, founded in 1939 in New York City by two German-Jewish refugees, Alfred Lyon and Francis Wolfe. The history of Blue Note Records goes beyond the landmark recordings encompassing the pursuit of musical freedom, the conflict between art and commerce, and the idea of music as a transformative and revolutionary force. And that is the God's truth. This is a wonderful document. It's called Blue Note Records Beyond the Notes, and we're very fortunate to have coming back to the show, and that would be Sophie Hooper. Sophie, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thank you so much. I'm glad to, to, to be back. Thank you. And by the way, I'd like to mention the other documentary you were on for was Harry Dean Stanton, Partly Fiction, and uh, that was back in 2013. So it's been a little bit of a, of a time between your appearances, and uh, it looks like this was a film that you spent a lot of time with, and, a, and, and it, it's just a, a, such a loving tribute to this wonderful record label. Tell me what got you interested in doing a documentary about um, Blue Note Records? Well, it actually started with the Harry Dean film. Um, you know, he sings a lot in the film, mm-hmm. so it basically became a, a music film. Yeah. And I was looking for a label to put out the soundtrack. And a friend of mine introduced me to Don Walsh, who is now the president of Blue Note. And he really liked the film, Mm -hmm. And he actually played bass on a couple of tracks that we did for the album. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it didn't fit into Blue Note's program, so we we put it out elsewhere. But Don and I just really got along and started talking about other music docs because I was looking for a new subject. And um, around that time, he was approached by the BBC to do something for the 75th anniversary. And um, he wanted something a, a little different than, than, than sort of a TV format piece. Mm-hmm. And he asked if, if I'd be interested, and, and, uh, and I said yes, because, you know, I, I, knew, I knew Blue Note Records growing up with a dad who had, you know, these, these jazz records. So I went to Swiss, I'm Swiss, and we have these amazing federal film funds, that a large part of this this film is funded through those funds, so it's an independent film. Yeah. Now, was in terms of uh, you know sort of the working knowledge of this label, what did you know? Uh, what did you know about when you when the when somebody mentioned Blue Note Records? Mm-hmm. What was your sort of uh, range of understanding of what they were? So the first thing that would come to mind was. I mean, my dad, I listened to that record a lot, or, I mean, it just played in, in the house. It was the Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers uh, Cafe in Cafe Bohemia, I think it's called, and it's a live recording. And the um, the cover 
and just the aesthetics that come with uh, with Blue Note Records, not just the, the cover art, but also the photographs, you know, these black and white photographs that with these iconic musicians. And the liner notes, right? They'd always have a lot of, they'd put in a lot of text about the artist or something. Yeah, and just the way they featured the artist. And of course, the, the music. When, again, growing up in Switzerland, we have amazing jazz festivals, so... I heard incredible musicians at an early age, you know, like I heard Sarah Vaughan and, and um, Dizzy Gillespie. So, so it was just something that had an immediate a- appeal to me. And um, I mean, at the same time, it was, it was sort of daunting too, because it's such a well-known label and um, such a cultural landmark in a way with a rich history of, of 80 years and, um, you know, how to figure out to, to put this in in 90 minutes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it it, it was, a, was a big challenge, but, but I, I just wanted to do it. I totally agree with you. Sometimes there are, there's music in, in, in my life, and sounds like in yours, where it becomes a soundtrack to your life. And it, yeah. so, it sounds like Art Blakey's albums, the Cafe Bohemia, the, those kinds of records are on all the time. They're on during the day, they're on at night, whatever it is. And, and, you, and it's the kind of music where it can just be background music, but also you can sit down and, and listen to it. And it takes on this so many other layers and nuances in, in doing that. So it's, uh, it's that kind of music, uh, especially Art Blakey, that kind, to me anyway, that's what it, it feels like. So you're, you're working with Don Was uh, on this, and what was the sort of, you started to get introduced to some of these legendary musicians. So tell us a little bit about getting to know and working and working through these interviews with people like Herbie yeah. Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Lou Donaldson, all these different people. What was that like for you, not only as a director, but also as someone who's, you know, these are people you listen to for forever and ever. What was, what was that like for you? Um, I just kind of had to remind or... or uh put myself in a place to think I'm just talking to people and not these legendary musicians. So what I tried to do was just to, well, let me put it this way, you know, the session that is in the middle of the film Mm -hmm. where Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter come together with the young musicians, which which to me is like the heart of the film, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So... After that session, which was maybe two hours, where they did two takes of Mascolero, I um, interviewed Herbie and, and Wayne. So we were already sort of in this setting right after that session that was just kind of magical, what happened in, in, in the recording. So everybody was sort of at the, in, in, a, in a similar space anyway. It was just amazing because they're some of the most present people I've ever had the privilege of sitting across from. Mm. They have an incredible curiosity. So talking to them, you never know where it it goes. Um, And it ended up in space at some point. (laughs) 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 And, you know, I mean, these two men are just incredible human beings and just so warm and open and and, um, welcoming, you know. And I guess you also sense, I didn't include that in in the film but you know they're both uh practicing buddhists so that that's that is not surprising to me to hear that 
that they're practicing Buddhists and that, that just as you describe them, that's the way they come across in the film. And I think that's kind of the essence of what they are as musicians, mm-hmm. the ability to listen, to be present, and to be able to react to those to those uh, circumstances, to what you're hearing. And as as I believe it was, was it Herbie Hancock or was it Wayne Shorter who described how, oh, it was Herbie Hancock who described how during... Um, playing with Miles and how he hit a chord that he thought was the right one and the moment he hit it but then he realized it wasn't for mm-hmm. his purpose what he thought and how Miles took that and turned it into something that he worked seamlessly into the song that's what Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter I think in some way the essence of what they were talking about when they were describing their, the way they approach music and the way they the, the way they work with younger musicians or other musicians. Yeah, and also the way it translates into other aspects of of life. Yeah, the, you know, being non-judgmental. Yeah, and being part of a group. Yeah, yes. While having an individual voice. Yes. Which are just elements that I feel are so relevant in in this climate, you know, in this divisive climate. And I also feel that the the younger artists they they impressed me as well in in their eloquence and also in their um quest and goal you know to create something that as as again Wayne Shorter says in the film to to create something of of value or to create a value that goes beyond you know worry or, or thinking even about commercial success yeah the yes absolutely i want to remind our listeners we're speaking with sophie huber she is the director of a new film called blue note records beyond the notes and uh let's go back to the roots here well let's talk about alfred lyon and francis wolf the the t- two founders we i described them in the introduction as uh, german jewish refugees who fled germany ended up in new york and then became not they really weren't record uh, people talk a little bit about when they came to New York and what got them from being new to America and then to be suddenly become these amazing record producers. Mm-hmm. So, so they were jazz fans before they came to America. As as Don says in the film, they were rabid jazz fans, and they would go to these record stores in 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 Harlem. They had a different name. I can't remember it right now. But they they would go find these rare records and um, listen to you know go to the clubs and listen to the music and just wanted to start their their own label and make the records that they wanted to hear. So they they ended up recording, for example, Thelonious Monk when nobody else did. It nearly ruined them, you know, because it didn't sell well. But that's how that's how passionate they were about the music. And I think it's also why this label is different from, from others because it, it um because it was led by a by a mission other other than like by a really deep deeply personal mission also of, of these um German Jewish re- refugees who found the um or at least I imagine they, they found the uh a sort of form of freedom through the music, yeah. you know? Especially under the circumstances by which they came to America. The idea of freedom 
while it's important to everyone, I think takes on a, a certain degree of uh, importance, a degree of urgency when you've come from circumstances that they found themselves yeah. in. Yeah, during the edit, you know, it, it was uh, sometimes difficult to figure out how to put it all together. But um, And we edited in New York with Russell Green, who also edited my previous film. Um, but, you know, I went running along the Hudson River and, and looked at the Statue of Liberty, thinking they all, all of them looked at it, you know, all of them saw it. Uh, Monk saw it, Alfred, Frank, Bob Powell. And to kind of take that as a as a as a line that com- combines it all including to today you know what then happens in in in, in hip hop exactly and that is one of the wonderful things about blue note records beyond the notes is that in fact what you, it's it's wonderful fantastic part of the film to really reflect on this legacy of blue note and it is it's incredible an incredible body of work that uh that Alfred uh, Lyon and Francis Wolfe were able to pull together and how much respect all of those artists seemed to have for them and how they left them to do what they wanted to do. They didn't put pressure on them mm-hmm. to pr- pr- produce commercial music. They did it purely, it seems, purely out of a sense of love of what they were doing, what these musicians were doing as well. But to bring this story forward, as you do in the film, into the hip-hop era and how we're seeing people like Robert Glasper and others, Kazmazi Washington and others, move forward with this idea that jazz is, has always been, at least in the, in the iteration of Monk and, for, and moving forward, was something more th- that couldn't be characterized, cannot be categorized in, in an easy way. And that's what this, this film feels like it's carrying that legacy forward with these other musicians. Yeah, it, it was important to me to um, start from the present and to also tell the, well, to feature the, the young artists yeah. and what they're doing and how it continues um, and also to discover the generations of artists before them through the young artists to really see how important their influence still is. Yeah, to hear Terrace uh, Martin talk about it, to hear all these people, again, people of the current generation, iteration of jazz, now hip-hop, now other elements of it uh, are are just, yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. And I'm so glad you were able to, to get a chance to talk with Rudy Van Gelder, who was the uh, engineer. Yeah. Sound, oh, my God, what a history, what a story he has to tell, right? Yeah. He was quite reluctant in talking, but I was used to that from Harry Dean. <laughs> 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 so, uh, but I, I yeah, it, it was great. It, it was probably one of his last interviews, and he, he, see, he was so sweet once he opened up. Well, and in the film, and the idea that they, he, he, for, they were recording in his parents' house. We're talking about the, the major artists of the 20th century in terms of musical accomplishments are recording in, in a house. Was it in Hoboken or somewhere in New Jersey? I forgot. Yeah, Hackensack. Yeah, Hackensack, New Jersey. And then he goes out and builds this amazing studio. Oh, my God. Yeah, and the, yeah, the first one in Hackensack was at his parents' yeah. in his parents' living room. I, that, I mean, just there's so many 
dedicated so many people in the film whose soul is on on display as much as it is their musicianship their fellowship with one another it's this idea of what they're willing to do to do what they wanted to do and then thank god that uh that uh, francis and alfred were there to provide a platform for them yeah amazing and they were actually friends with with a lot of the artists yeah they became friends for like lifelong friends yeah, this is just, uh, it's such a wonderful documentary. I want to let people know they can find out about the, the film at bluenoterecords-film.com. That's one way to find out about it. So bluenoterecords-film.com, and you can find out more. And then there you can find out about screenings. It's opening here at the uh, Lemley Monica Theater uh, this Friday, June 28th. Are you in town for a Q&A? Yeah, so we have uh, Q&As throughout that weekend on saturday it will be me and it's moderated by nelson george okay on saturday it will be again me our producer suzanne guckenberger and simon kilmary from ida and on sunday it will be uh again me and don was the president of lunot and keith lewis who is the sound engineer in the film yeah just a wonderful documentary. It just, I just, the music I love to hear with the people who made it and the and the the stories about the artists who were blazing these musical trails, opening up vistas for us uh, to explore as as listeners, but also other musicians to follow and and uh, stand on their shoulders. It's just, uh, it's, I I just. I love this music. I love what you did with this documentary. And thank you. That makes me very happy to hear. Well, it's it's your it's what you did here, uh, Sophie Huber. That uh, is is the thing that warms my heart. And and check out this uh, documentary, uh, listeners. This is just again uh, Blue Note Records Beyond the Notes. And you again, once again, you can go to Blue Note Records Film dot com to find out all you need to know about where it'll be screening and why you should see this and uh sophie thank you I, are you working on anything right now uh, i haven't really had the time because we're pra- practically self-releasing this okay well so that's why we need you all to come out support yes. independent cinema. That's absolutely true. It's cheaper than a jazz uh, <laughs> concert. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's and, and there, there's so many elements to the film. And absolutely what Sophie's saying is absolutely true. And by the way, I say it all the time on the show, and I'll repeat myself, and that is no greater experience than to go to a theater with a whole lot of other people interested in, in many of the same things you are, to watch, to sit there in a theater, that darkened theater, and that not only it's a, it's a singular experience, but a communal experience. And then after all of that, and you're going to see a fantastic film, now you get a chance to hear, listen, and talk to, ask questions of the people who put it together. There isn't a better experience than that in a theater. Yeah, so. and alone, I mean, the sound, you know. Yes, that's right. To really experience the, the power of this music, it just makes a difference if you if you hear it in a cinema with the full mix. Yeah. And, and just if I may say, if anyone is on um, social media. Yes. Our handles for Facebook and Instagram are Blue Note Records Film, and on Twitter it's Blue Note Film. Absolutely, exactly. All the things you just said Facebook, Blue Notes Records Film, Blue Note Records Film. 
is the Facebook Blue Note Records film on on Instagram and Blue Note film on Twitter. That's Sophie right. Sophie Huber, thank you. Thank, thank you, thank you, you Mike. thank you so much. Pleasure and talking to you. As well. Come back whenever you have anything at all. These first two albums. Thank uh, you. First yeah, two al- it won't be six years again. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, I almost said these first two albums were great. These first two films, uh, Harry Dean Stanton, Partly Fiction, and as well as now Blue Note Records, Beyond the Notes. Thank you. Thank you. you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.